0: Abba Yahweh, your time, your watch. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity, for this time with you, to spend time with you, to be near you, with you, to share your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Father God, thank you for (coughs) sharing with me Pardon me. (coughs) For sharing with me. I apologize to you, brothers and sisters. The devil does not like me to talk to my Heavenly Father. He doesn't like me to share with you, and will come in ways, shapes, and forms that are beyond our understanding at times but the Lord does not allow him to put his hands on you. You have to understand that. This opportunity to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to anyone that would have an ear to hear what's being shared, but to listen to the message. Sorry for that little cough fit there. I just, that literally came from nowhere. Everything's fine. Then all of a sudden when I start to try to share, well, I know. And I believe. So, some interesting things here in this wee early morning hours that this is really... A great place to be, actually. And although I tried to convince myself to just do this later and to close my eyes, I miss this time that God has decided to initiate to invite me into his watch And quite honestly, I wouldn't have thought to get up at such an hour to be in the Word, to Bible study, prayer, and sharing. So it's amazing to me, and I I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. And the most enjoyable is that he just comes and he puts his hand on my shoulder, or sometimes he comes and he puts his arms around me, and I can just feel I can feel the presence of God, I can feel the presence of my lord, my majesty, his majesty, my king, whatever you want to call him, but he's my heavenly Father, he is my good, good Father, and it's just an absolute delight. For me, and the scripture tells me that it delights him to spend time with his children. you have to understand this. get into the Bible, read the Word of God, seek his faith, seek his truth, knowledge with him't don't, don't just take my word for it, and I remind you often, and I tell you and invite you and nearly beg you to try my spirit. We are to try the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, guidance in all things. In all things we do, we oftentimes forget. I I forget sometimes in all things, and then I'm reminded as I start into something that I need to have guidance. Brothers and sisters, this is a good place to be. In the presence of God. Practice his presence. Seek his face in the word of God. So my intention on the Spirit guiding me here is that I've been doesn't seem like much to some. But I've been dreaming a lot more frequently. And that might not seem important. And these dreams are so provocative that they really harbor attention and I think about them. I, I'm not able to translate them myself. But let me ask you all, uh, I'm gonna ask you this question. And there are some that have probably heard the word and heard the term before. Um, and it used to actually happen to me quite a lot when I was younger but the term deja vu. Anyone hear of that before? Anyone know what it means? You'll have those of the millennial age that have probably might've heard it and don't quite know. And don't get your knickers twisted there, millennials, because it's just a time point, okay? It's not, there's no, there's just things that happen at a different timeline and those of the millennial age or claim that timeline, they don't know things from my time when I was younger. They, quite honestly, I've seen, they don't even know what a rotary phone is. They're not sure. They're not sure what a floppy disk is. And it's just the technology and things and the eras that were on before. So don't get, your, don't get all uncomfortable and sitting and get your knickers all knotted up so you can't sit comfortably, okay? It's nothing, it's just a timeline designation as I was saying, the term deja vu, It's a. it comes from a French and it means seen before or from before. And what used to happen to me a lot is I would be involved in the course of a day and all of a sudden there would be something happen. Somebody would pass by walking in a certain way and wearing a certain thing and immediately snapped that finger and I was there. I remember everything that happened for the few minutes right when that person went by, when they came by from that time until, you know, five, six minutes through the course of it and then it would just fade, it would go away. So I had seen it before, I was aware of it before, I was, and I think that's probably a better description, aware of it not necessarily having seen it, but it seemed that I was already there. And I share that with you because, <clears throat> pardon me, we're going to go to the book of Joel, which is in the Old Testament. It's um, Joel is right before the book of Amos and right after the book of Hosea. Um, it's what the theological wizards like to call the book of the lesser prophets. And I don't know, like I've shared with you, a prophet of God who is hearing the specific word of God, who is drawing from Frema that comes straight from God to them, and they share that. Why are they a lesser prophet? Because they didn't write a, an expansive novella or, a, or a, a book to express these things that God shares with them. It wasn't intended that way. God shared with them what he wanted, specifically shared. And that's it. A prophet of God is a prophet of God. Why is there a lesser prophet and greater prophets? And these theological wizards that think they have it all figured out and they're gonna tell everybody how it is. This man, Joel, he only wrote, uh, let's see, what he wrote. And there's a couple in here that wrote less. Uh, Let's see, he wrote three, three chapters. That's it. Book of Joel, three chapters. But he is a prophet of God. God talked to him directly, and he shared what God told him. Anyway, purely my opinion. Theological wizards don't know as much as they like to think they do. But I'm sharing with you from Joel, and it's—I think it's an important word to share. And Joel two twenty-seven through thirty-two. And, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. So let me share this with you and I've, I've done so before is that when the prophets and others are talking about the nation of Israel, it's actually okay for you, for me and I do and I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible, it's just for my personal self. So the Holy Spirit and my Heavenly Father are okay with my doing that. This is for me, and it's okay that you don't don't rewrite the Bible because that's not what this is for. This is a verbal illustration for you to be able to do something. That Joel is specifically talking about the nation of Israel. For me, I plug in the United States. I'll say to myself or read it as the United States or. This nation, and you can do i mean i 've shared with you that i 've gone to Isaiah and Jeremiah and all those others, and there's things that are so specific and it's it it cries out this nation's name to me as i 'm reading, talking about the way that the the seat of government has sold itself away and has given this this country away, and the Bible talks about it. And it's not only this nation. So other nations can do the same thing. But I share this with you. Further reading in 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever shall, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. That's pretty potent. Does it sound familiar? If if you read the Bible, that should have a ring of familiarity. If you don't, that's okay because I'm going to share with you anyway. Now, Our the next question? Are you familiar with the term BC and Annum Domini? It's actually quite literal, they're both Latin phrases. But BC refers to the time before Christ, Annum Domini is year of our Lord. So during the time there, and, and some people will profess even later. That it's the time when Jesus ascended to heaven. <clears throat> Pardon me. on Domini <clears throat> is Latin, year of our Lord. <clears throat> Pardon me. Boy, the devil's working. So, what I just read to you was from uh, Joel 2, 227 through 32. And it was Joel's writings were 800. Seven 800 years BC, before Christ. Now, if we go to the book of Acts, and we're gonna to go to Acts 2, and we're going to go to verse 17 through 21. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And in my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath: blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's interesting. So Luke is writing about the vision of the last days. And, and I've shared with you before. There will be a great apostasy. Now, there's, there's not. The scripture doesn't give a timeline. Okay, it doesn't say okay, on October thirty first, two thousand twenty three, the last day is going to start, and there's going to be a great apostasy, and then all this is going to happen, and then you're going to see this happen, and then in twenty twenty four, this there's nothing like that in the Bible. It just tells you the last days before the the that. As Joel calls it in the in the old way they used to speak, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, it's not. You have to understand that cultural speech. It doesn't mean that it's a terrible day, like oh, scary and terrible and nasty and oh no, you know lions and tigers and bears, all oh my. That's not what they're talking about. They're when they express that in that phrasing, it just means powerful day day of recognition, something that is going to take place that's powerful. And as, um, hold on a second, I'm gonna write the, there, here we go. As Luke writes it, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. So that phrasing that Luke used, and then you compare it to what Joel said, that terrible day of the Lord they mean the same thing. If you said it the way Joel said it, people in that culture and at that time, they would understand what you meant. It was a powerful day. It was a notable day. It wasn't something that you should run and stick your head in the sand about. That's that's not what that means, terrible. That's, it just means a powerful, notable event taking place. But I shared this with you, and I, I shared as I started to share with you, um, before I got into this, is that I'm I'm having these dreams that are taking place, and and I bring that up because it says your uh, <laughs> it says your your old men shall dream dreams. Well, I'm an old guy, comparatively speaking. But the Lord has blessed me, blessed me mightily. He allows me to do what I'm doing, and it, it's it's awesome. Now the dreams as I shared with you are, and the God, for whatever reason he does this, I I'm, I'm not fully understanding the Holy Spirit. I, I'm not rattled about it. But God gives me dreams. He allows me to dream in color. And I've always been able to do that. That's really a powerful gift that he shares with me. I've 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 never not. Um I don't know if that's intending more for my seeing them better, I, I'm not sure. But it's it's very powerful for me to be able to, to have a dream and have it be in color and be so powerful and real. Um, that is very great and very cool, I like it. So, These things that I see, the Lord hasn't revealed to them, revealed them to me yet for understanding, but I have them, and I will remember them when it happens. And this this event that I've shared with you before, that déjà vu, uh, as they call it, but it just simply means, as I've shared from the French, seen before, or been before. Um, and there's people that have experienced that. And there's some that may still, and they just don't understand what it means. And it's okay. That's why I'm sharing. For God's purpose, it's for enlightenment, edification, exhortation, uplifting. And there's things and events that are going to take place that I have seen am aware of, and so far, none of these things that um, God has shared with me has been like a, like a portent or an omen that I got to go run and tell, look out, look out, that piano's going to bust the cable and fall from 18 stories, get out of the way, and then nothing like that, okay, it's, and if you get a direct word from God, you don't want to rush up and and grab somebody like that. I have a word of God for you. I got a word from God for you. I have a prophecy, I have a prophecy. First of all, that's really not about God. That's about you. So when you present it openly like that, that's drawing attention to yourself. And you're probably more than likely, I would say that that's going to be completely taken away when you go up to start to babble after drawing attention to yourself, the Holy Spirit has taken that away. You have nothing to say because it wasn't for you to address that way. This is a word of God, not a word of Joe Blow or Jane Doe. The word of God is prophetic word and specifically, and anyone can be a prophet. I've shared this with you before. Anyone can prophesy. If God decides He's going to take you by your shirt collar and stand you up and give you a direct word from Him, and you are to share it with somebody specific, just don't go running across the the uh, just don't go running across the sanctuary, hollering out somebody's name. And a lot of times, He won't use names specific; He'll describe them to you, so you'll be able to find them. And then you go and you find them, and you calmly respectfully say, you know, I I had something that I, I would like to share with you if that's okay. And, oh, okay. And then you say, you know, I was uh, sitting and doing my Bible study and I really believe that, that uh, God has given this for me to share with you. Address it carefully and slowly and some people will still get kind of, a little freaky about it, that's odd, and and that's because they have a lot of unbelief. So you have to be prepared that if you're gonna deliver prophetic word from God, you have to be prepared and you do it the way God intends it to be done. Don't do it the way you intend for it to be done. I I share that with you because I have done, um, I've been doing this God's podcast now for quite some time. Goodness gracious, this is going into four years. Wow. Wow. A long time. Every day. Sometimes three and four times a day. Wow. Wow, Father. Um, So at any rate, and this is for his glory. I've shared with you how this started. And this is to share the word of God. Share his truth, knowledge, and wisdom with you. Not mine. This is not about me. So... And I'm sharing that with you because this is how God operates through prophetic word. It's a direct word for him intended for someone else, but using you as a, um, how can I put this? As an antenna a sounding, using you for the announcement because that person may be totally unreceptive. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter. God's decided to use you. So it might be for your edification as well as theirs, their exhortation as well as yours. So when the Spirit comes to direct you to do something, don't quench the Spirit. And the Bible tells us that, don't quench the Spirit. And there are many that will do that. And quite honestly... Forgive me, Father, but I have this thought process. Um, you just want to, to to slap sense into them. You know, when somebody's in shock, or they're really, they, they're they babbling and silly, and then you give them a smack on the cheek, and it draws their attention, and then they're back into reality. Well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we want to do that. But that's my flesh self, and just sharing honestly with you. Um. Understand that God utilizes tools. This, and I'm sharing this because now Luke may have read something in the scroll. I don't exactly know how Joel wrote that down. I'm I'm sure that it was probably put into a scroll and put into uh, like a, oh, I forgot what his name is. I I apologize, but the man whose daughter died and Jesus came and and kicked everybody out of the house and healed her, rose her from the dead, just told her mother and father that she was only sleeping and then told the mother to feed her. She was probably hungry. So that was an event that took place. I bring that up and show that because that man was a keeper of the scrolls for the synagogue. And that was his, he was a librarian. He was a church librarian Because what they would do is is any scrolls that had to do with um, dealings within the synagogue and specifically related. Um, And there were a lot of them that would keep notes and scrolls that were written notably on Christ, on his activity. So those librarians would keep those scrolls written. So perhaps Joel... And researching what he was going to write, possibly took a scroll and found that, was inspired. I mean, he didn't plagiarize it totally. I mean, he shared pretty close. But the writing that he is doing is directing For this purpose. And oh, here it is. Thank you, Father. Okay. Now, do I feel silly? But that's okay because the Holy Spirit just brought me to this. And this has to do with all the. uh, This is on the day of Pentecost, actually, and related. And Luke is writing this. And specifically. Uh I'm gonna start in verse 15 for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. So Luke is writing and describing what happened because they were declaring that the disciples speaking in all their native tongues and, and pretty much babbling, beside being amazed, and there were others that were doubtful, and they declared that they oh they must be drunk. Well, How are they going to speak all these different languages and everyone from the region or wherever they were from is understanding what's being said and yet they want to attribute that to to drunkenness? Hmm. But anyway, as Luke is writing, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and then he wrote down. So what he is doing is he is offering a justification of the day of Pentecost, what happened with all the disciples. As I stated, Luke probably went and studied the scroll, which he did, and there is affirmation by the word of God. Thank you, Father. And this is what the Holy Spirit does when you are shooting out bullet prayers and guidance for that. Things are revealed. I've read this two, three times in the past month. And quite honestly, I didn't even pay attention to verse 16, Acts two sixteen. I never even noticed it, quite honestly. But there the Holy Spirit just revealed, and this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. So Luke did go and research, and he did go and find. And he shared that specifically because everyone else probably would have forgotten what Joel had said. Joel, Joel. Anyway, but Luke is sharing it and referring to that word of the prophet to remind them in these last day and, the, and understand this. They're they're noting that as being part of the last days, and here's something, and I I share that portion because this is to. For all those theological wizards that think that they have the code figured out and the the secret code that's found in the Bible and all this stuff here, and that if you do the mathematical figuring from the first to the last book and and then you subtract this chapter from that chapter and then the number of verses in that and you multiply by two divided by six, then you figure out exactly when the that Jesus is coming back on the day of the rapture. well, it doesn't work that way. Jesus reminds us when he's teaching us, none know the hour save the Father. The angels in heaven don't even ask. What does that announce loudly, clearly, and blaring like a trumpet? Don't ask God because he's not going to tell you. Because it's not for you to know. When you know is when you hear the trumpet. When Gabriel blares the trumpet and you hear that blast. And then the firmament of heaven is split. And you see our king coming. And you prayerfully, respectfully, humbly go down onto your knees and profess something that you know the truth that he is your king, he is holy, and he is worthy. That's a good thing. But for those who rejected, who ignored, and who refused, when they are put on their knees, they're going to be put on their knees because they're going to be compelled to do so. Not because they recognize and know who Jesus is and they believe him to be, the only begotten son of God and that he is the king and that he is coming back as he promised to do. But they're going to be compelled to get on their knees because he is the king. And their compulsion is not going to be because their heart tells them who he is. The compulsion for them is going to be the king is here, get on your knees. There's a profound difference. I'm going to be on my knees if I am privileged enough by my God, if he doesn't take me home before that should happen, that I am there and I see it happen. I'm going to be on my knees because that's my king. I do that now anyway. But these things are necessary to share this because I also want to share, and I feel compelled to do so, is that there are many things happening in other nations around this world. Pardon me. I am sorry about that. If we look around and we see what's happening in the Middle East, we see what's going on directly with the nation of Israel and Gaza, all that. We see what's going on with the Ukraine. And we see a lot of things that are prophetic word, and if anyone is familiar with Gog and Magog and and how they will come down and, and they're going to position themselves to the nation of Israel and things that are going to happen, and the kings of the east and the kings of the north, mm. well, if you look at maps and you look at world history and you see things that are going on, also let me share this with you about that, since I brought that up, um, there is one way and one way only into the Great Valley. And the Euphrates River is a huge blockage for anyone to bring an army of consequential size as described. However, what they have come to find out, and this is by aerial observation, this is by folks on the ground, is that engineers have all along the Euphrates, north of these major highways, have set up a combination of locks and gates to be able to stem the flow of the river and take it down to just a trickle And these major roadways underneath the river have been reinforced, greatly reinforced. So you're talking about being able to pass an intensely massive convoy of heavy, heavy vehicles and vehicles that would be intended for the use of warfare. and they will be able to support the weight of those massive vehicles and the number of personnel. That's already been done. For what intent and purpose? Brothers and sisters, you have to read. You have to read. The Bible specifically talks about Gog and Magog and the kings and of the east and coming from the north. If you look at the maps and you take calculation, you'll be able to readily see and understand exactly what the Bible is talking about. It doesn't take a great Mind it doesn't take theological wizards <clears throat> you'll actually be able to see this, and it will become very apparent but here's the thing this in spite or despite all of those things that are going on. <clears throat> I shared this with you before i don't have any fear of this I'm not fearful of these things i yeah i'm I'm a little frightened of some of the things that are coming. Frightened because of my declaration for my hope, faith, and belief in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, my faith in God and the Holy Spirit. And I pray that I would have as much strength as my Christian brother, Yun, in China, knowing that China, the way that they are, and the communist country, and the way that they deploy their tactics against Christians against faithful, true believers. And at this point, I'm going to be a little argumentative that there are those individuals that, oh, no, they can do this. They can do that. They allow that. No, let me tell you what they do allow. They allow things to be televised because they have a propagated news agency that works for the government, pardon me. And the information that they share is what they allow to be shared and what they want to be shown. That's what they do. That's what communist countries do. Any communist country does and performs in that way. These countries that are all communist now started out as socialist countries. You can read historical documented facts that they all started out as socialist countries are now common. Every single one of them, they don't declare a banner of socialism. They're under the banner of communism. Historically accurate and true. So for those that are trying to propagate that within this nation. (sighs) Wow. Wow. And then there are those uneducated and too young that say, well, we're going to do it different. Yeah, that's what everybody said in every single one of those countries. It'll be different. But then what happens is, as typical, the thugism starts. So I pray for this man and his fellow Christians there because I know that they still take and imprison those who declare their faith in God. and their belief, but in spite of, despite all these things that are dark and happening, because it's going to happen, Jesus told us in the book of Matthew, Matthew 24, he reminds us that it shall be in the days of Noah before the return of the Son of Man, so shall it be, what that means is it's pretty bad. It's going to be pretty bad because in the days of Noah for 120 years when he was building the ark, it took him 120 days to get that finished. And every day at the end of his work day on building the ark as God told him to do, he was preaching to the people, to preaching repentance, and they refused. So then we know that the rains came down and the floods came up, and then they cried out, Let us in, let us in, save us, save us. It's getting really wet. God had already placed his hand on the ramp of the ark and sealed it and the ark was starting to float away. So all that 120 years, they refused to pay attention and heed what Noah was sharing. They ended up in a consequential situation. Don't refuse. The opportunity is there. The opportunity is here. And all this stuff that goes on that, that's really happening. And and you're going to have those individuals that are going to get their knickers all twisted up and bunched up and want to, well, you know, he's telling you this and he's telling you that and, you know, only doing that to scare you into. No, it's not any to scare anybody into anything. You choose to do what you're going to do, period. I'm giving you the opportunity And I share this truth with you because God wants you to have, has nothing to do with me saving anybody. I am planting seeds and I'm sharing this with you because God desires that you come to repentance and that you are adopted back into the family and that you accept that Christ Jesus is his only begotten son and came and died on the cross that you believe that happened and it's true because if you don't believe that Jesus came and became flesh and died here in this plane of existence, then you have nothing. Because if you don't believe that and you refuse to have faith in God and you are not guided by the Holy Spirit, then you, you're you wandering. And I'm offering you the opportunity not to wander. We have a hope. And that hope is Christ. Christ came and died. We have an opportunity that Christ would be in us. And as he is called. Jesus. Savior. Emmanuel. God in us, God with us, Christ, anointed of God, or Joseph, his earthly father. Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. Christ, meaning anointed of God, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us, and Jesus, Savior, Redeemer, means several things but all contextual. He is our hope. He is that hope of our glory that we will have when we get to heaven and that opportunity that is given to everyone to repent, to be saved, to be an heir, a joint heir with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. How powerful is that? Everybody wants to talk about all this doom and gloom and doom and gloom they're they're actually that's a um that's one of the the tactics that the devil uses that everybody wants to talk about that to get your attention away from the truth and for you not to pay attention but the reality is that christ jesus is our hope to that glorious end which is the kingdom of heaven And all these things are going to come and all these seemingly doom and gloomy that everybody wants to talk about. What's doom and gloom about it? Because the beloved children of God, those who have repented and are true believers, true Christians, not the label heads and the self-proclaimed Christians, and those who are true theological students that looked to the word of God and profess it to be such and not as theological wizards, the arrogant, pharisaical, tyrannical sort that are out here now and that like to do that because they like to be smarter than everybody else. Those individuals have refused to accept and they want to actually argue against things that are done. They want to become commentators. So they want to be commentators, and and sadly, people will go to test the Bible to these commentators. Wait a second, hold on there, Baba Louie. This is the word of God, and those individuals are teaching, professing, and sharing lies because they get you to test the Bible with these commentators. Well, that's backwards. You should be testing those commentators with the word of God. Checking and trying with the Holy Spirit. Is this commentator who's saying all this stuff, is that a good thing? And I got, I had this huge red flag in my head exploded the other day and I shared with you, this individual wrote a book. uh, Now this is God's word and wrote a book. It's a novel. In literary circles and those in that area, a novel is fiction. There is isn't a novel that's been written that is true, that's given a different subject title in a different way. But a novel is always fiction. And names are always changed. So here is this. I'm gonna gonna use the phrase theological wizard for this person who's claiming to be a pastor sitting with his wife and declaring this novel, this book of fiction that is to be used along with the Bible for insightful teaching. Oh, wait a second. So you're taking a book of infallible truths and promises of the Lord God Almighty Abba Yahweh, our heavenly father, that is everything is truthful in this book, faith believing it's true, because I've seen it, I have seen too much evidence that shows me otherwise. And then they want to have you to take this commentator, take this fictional book that he wrote to support the Bible. So you're gonna take a book of lies to support a book of truth. I'm sorry, but my head exploded. I can't I can't rationalize that. It makes no sense whatsoever. And this is what Jesus warned us about. Be cautious, for there will be those who will come and tell you. And the book of Isaiah shares this. There will be those that will call evil good and good evil and sweet and sour, sour and sweet. And it's going to be, they're going to be teaching exactly the opposite of what should be taught. And here is this man and his wife professing that this man who wrote a book of fiction, not truth, nothing truthful in it, is supposed to be supporting the word of God. And that's teaching you to be a commentator testing the true word of God. Well, you're not supposed to do that. You test out their word by the word of God and you find that things that they claim and you can go to scriptures and find out or you can just talk to the Holy Spirit. And if you pay attention, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and answer and show you. Well, as I said, my head exploded. That's because the Holy Spirit kicked open the doors (laughs) in my attic um, rather firmly and I was like, oh my gosh. but doesn't surprise me at all. See, these are the things that I don't get all, it just amazes me that these things are going on and people buy into this. If the guy was selling this really nasty candy, people would be buying it hand over fist and they'd be handing this guy lots of money for really terrible, terrible candy. But David also talks about this, do not be tempted by the dainties. What does that mean? That means that you're gonna be offered this plate of really nice looking, sweet, savory cakes and candies that are gonna be dripping with honey and those are gonna be offered to you. Those are a temptation to get you away from what you should be paying attention to. They're a bait. Don't bite. And there are many that bite and they take a hook, line, and sinker, which means everything. So I pray for that man and that woman, that husband and wife who are supposedly preachers for the word of God, but yet they're telling you that you should pay attention to this liar who is going to support the book of truth, the word of God. Well, how supportive is he going to be with a book that's nearly as thick as a Bible and it's a novel? It's fiction. It's not true. How supportive is all the lies going to be to support the truth? How is that? I'm sorry, that makes no rational sense to me. But it's just like everything that goes on in the world today that there are those that would rather accept the lies and they're more accepting of the lies and deceit than they are of truth. Here's the bottom line. When God tells you something, it's gonna be that way, period. And these lies and these things, these untruths have sort of withered away through time, but you look at, you go back and you look at all these things that God talked about. Jesus. And when he spoke about Mary, when she anointed his feet, and broke open the alabaster box or the alabaster bottle and anointed his feet, wiped his feet with her hair. And Jesus then declared that she would be known. Well, here we are some 2000 years later, and she is known, her name is known. And used, shared, talked about, and she's a biblical celebrity, and that's gone by for two thousand years. So we need to do, brothers and sisters, as. As I've shared with the the subtleties of the enemy, and I will say openly and directly that that person that tried to chastise me for sharing the truth, um, and I just simply rebuked and prayed for that person, they chose to believe the subtle lies of the enemy and the lies that were not there. So here's what I tell you about that. Don't choose the lies, choose the truth. And anything that I share with you is truth and comes from the word of God, comes from God. And you try my spirit. I'm constantly inviting you to do that. Try my spirit so that you know that what I share is true. True and only truth, period. Our hope is in Christ Jesus to the end, which is glory. The kingdom of heaven. All you have to do is repent, accept that he is who he says he is, have faith in God, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And one thing that is told over and over, it is a deep an unfathomable mystery that our Heavenly Father, God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, that we are all entwined. And God desires that we remain that way in an intimate personal relationship with Him. So what I invite you to is not to just know about God, But know God, practice God's presence. Talk to God, pray the Holy Spirit's guidance. Accept that Christ Jesus is his only begotten son. It just takes a minute or two. We can do it right now. Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to change my life. I want you to come in. I want you to be my savior. Save me. Hosanna, save us, I pray. Heavenly Father, I want to have faith in you. I will have faith in you. Holy Spirit, guide my steps. I want my life to be changed. I want it to be changed for you. I want to be that. I want to be an heir and a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, I pray, amen that's it it's done that's all you have to do announce it accept it believe it pray it and you can do you could have done it right there with me you could do it with somebody at church you can do it with a close friend somebody that you really want to have share that with you um you can go down when they have the big do at the end of the service on Sundays but just know that God desires that we do that. He desires a personal relationship with you. You're in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Be blessed.